Welcome to Living Holistically with Dane and Indy, your hosts, where we share with you some of the most empowering ways to live a life that's caring to ourselves, others, and the planet. We will be delving into a related topic every Tuesday, one season at a time, bringing you the experts behind the practices and tools we've tried and tested over the years. So keep listening and enjoy the show. On today's episode, we have Andrew K. Fletcher, who has worked tirelessly, selflessly, and self-funded for over 27 years, helping people around the world regain control of their health by simply advising them to raise their beds at their head end to a five-degree angle. This is known as inclined bed therapy and is based on Andrew's understanding of the role that gravity plays in driving our circulation. It is an incredibly simple and affordable option to experiment with right now. As always, make sure to check out the full show notes for everything we talk about today. So thank you, Andrew, for joining us today. The chat beforehand, we realize of um, how grateful we are for you to have the time to speak with us. Seeing you've been through quite a bit lately, and so it means a lot for you, for us, for you to be on our podcast to talk about this. We'd love for you to share with our audience, if they're not familiar with yourself or your work and your research, um, what got you into the space of incline bed therapy and what got you like part of your journey to get there. Well, like so many people, I've stood beneath a giant tree and I've looked up and I've asked the question, how does water reach those leaves? Now, I'm an engineer. I have an engineering background and an inquiring mind. Uh, so I went, got a GCSE biology book from a car boot sale, which cost 20 pence, mind. And uh, I read from a DG McCain, the, the author, who was very honest, almost an apologetic explanation for the fluid transport in trees every paragraph the guy wrote insufficient evidence poorly understood nothing to back it up and he wrote this chapter after chapter and i thought this is up for grabs so i'd like i sat down on the floor and it took me 20 minutes to work out what was happening and i thought well the trees are multi-conduited system and it's standing vertical, so obviously it's benefiting from being vertical, else it would be horizontal. And uh, I thought, well, how is it using gravity? Now, the interesting thing here is I, I'd, I'd fitted um, a gas heating, not a gas, sorry, a heating system that didn't require a pump. So it worked on the boiler generating heat, which caused the water to rise, went up into the loft, circled around a, a hot water tank, distributed the heat and in doing so cooled itself down so the the furnace lowered the density of the water traveling up and the cooling raised the density of the water flowing down so the whole system worked hunky-dory and i thought well obviously this is going to play a part in this tree so how does that apply and i deduced that the evaporation from the tree's leaves which is 98 percent of all the water that comes through the roots must concentrate the sap that's left behind because that sap contains sugars produced by photosynthesis through the leaves and dissolves salts and minerals from the soil that must result in a denser mineral solution at the top of the tree which gravity dictates must flow down so we've got a a force for a downflow so that flowing down uh, sap would create a positive pressure in front of it but also create tension behind it just like putting a a liquid syringe pulling a a plunger on a liquid syringe you don't just suck blood up you actually push something out the other end so we've got so i thought this is interesting so how does this apply to the return flow so if you create a downflow you automatically create a return flow so for every action there's always an equal and opposing reaction newton's law so we've got a downflow in the flow m which fits perfectly because there's far more density in phloem sap than there is in xylem sap, that's a fact. So that means that the xylem sap being less dense can be can be drawn up. But not only is the sap drawn up, it draws in water from the soil, which redilutes any sap that's concentrated reaching the roots and redilutes it so that it can travel back up. So it's a beautiful non-living physical force that makes things live. And I thought, oh, my God, it can't be this simple. It is this simple. 
It really is. Now, when I look at the drawings, the photographs of the those same books that I studied for circulation in the brain, circulation in the body, the blood flow, circulation in the trees, it all comes to life. You, you, once you've got that formula in your head and you look at a flat, inanimate drawing, you can actually see it working. In fact, I'll go on better. I met some, some doctors at a university and I explained the theory to them about how it applies to the human body. And she turned around to me and she said, my God, she said, you've just dissected a Godiva, put it all back together so it makes sense, and you haven't had to kill anybody or work on anything that's dead. You did it all in your head. So, you know, and I thought, well, I've cracked this, that, they, you know, that everybody's going to think, because it's so simple, everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon. It's going to be accepted like the Trojan horse. Yeah, but apparently not. Apparently, there's a lot of vested interests in keeping the status quo. And that's what I've been up against for 27, nearly 27 years. Mm. Yes. Wow. So you got, so that, did that sort of, I guess, spark the interest to get you into even creating if, um, inclinebedtherapy.com. So that's the website that has all the, I guess, the resources for that as well. Did that really, um, lead you into? Yes. It was auto, almost automatic because I thought to myself, how can I test this? Because I was really excited at the time. And I thought, actually, that bed doesn't make any sense anymore. It's flattened. It's just like those flat drawings lying on the floor. It doesn't work. So if you lift, if you lift those drawings up at the head end, they, it all seems to work. And I thought, well, how can I determine the angle that, that we need? And um, what I did was I had a loop of tubing, because I've done lots of experiments with tubing to prove the theory. It's proven, done and dusted. And um, I had a loop of tubing, which I closed, filled with water, and some coloured salt solution at the pillow end. It was stretched to the end of the bed. The video is on YouTube as well. So I raised the head of the bed until the whole loop of tubing was circulating. So that represented the downflow in the arteries and the return flow in the veins. If I went sort of down below that, it became sluggish. And if I wasn't down enough, with, if I went down, to, sorry, if I went down too far with the bed, the whole thing didn't. Well, it worked, but not not as you would expect it to work. What happened was I ended up with a two-tier flow system in one side of the loop of tubing, so I had fluid travelling in both directions, which incidentally can happen in the body as well because you can get backflow in the body. So it, again, it, it gave us a model. And uh, the other thing I did, which was interesting, I had a loop of tubing which I stood vertical put the two open ends into two bottles of water and um, filled it with degassed water, which I boiled, boiled the gas out of the water, and then strung that up 24 metres up a cliff in Brixham um, with a coloured salt solution at the centre of the tube. And I had Forestry Commission scientists there and journalists and the manager for the, from the for local Forestry Commission to witness it. And um, we saw water flowing down one side and water being sucked up the other side like a giant siphon. But the siphon doesn't work, does it, at, at those heights? And um, my experiment was actually ripped off. Um, for three, three doctors, um, one from Australia, uh, published in, in Nature's Scientific Reports, and their paper's called The Height Limit of the, si of, of, of the Siphon. And they showed water flowing up this experiment, which was identical to my experiment, yeah, and they'd already asked me about my own experiment before they even started to publish their paper. So they lifted it, and then they ended up having to pu publish a corrigendum, which is a correction, to include my work and the website of the of Inclined Bed Therapy where they found it. Yeah. So there's a little bit of poetic justice there. Yeah, that's good to hear. And you mentioned as well, like, the status quo and, like, those invested interests. Do you know sort of what that was? You know, with is it because medicine is just so, um, you know, Western medicine is so lucrative. Yeah, lucrative, and also it doesn't change much. You know, it's very. Um, they don't want it to change. Yeah, they don't want it to change. They've got great jobs. Mm. You know, they've got professors. Professors will dream of theories about this far-off wacky planet, uh, create a black hole, and stuff that you cannot test against, which is safe for them in their little glass houses. Yeah. They, they can't get down to doing proper science. In fact, I met with a 
two two vascular surgeons from Torbay Hospital, a guy called Celeste and a guy called Williams. Uh, brilliant guys, brilliant, a lot of respect for them. And um, on the kitchen table, I showed the circulation that I was working with. And Williams said, I've got to go and check a patient now. He says, I'll be back shortly because I was at Williams's home. He said, um, I uh, had a case of edema with this lady and she was massive and we tried all the diuretics. It didn't work. He said, so we took you at your word and tilted the bed the opposite way around to the, what we've been taught. He said, and when he came back, he said, I've never seen weight loss like it. I've never seen fluid loss like it in my whole of my career. He said she was like a giant water balloon. So when I got there, there was so much change in her. I, in, even in a few hours, he said he couldn't believe it. I actually saw the same thing happen to my dad while my dad was in hospital. Um, he ended up with pancreatic cancer and had massive legs. And I couldn't lift his legs up. Uh, it's, it's ironic that the same things happened to me under different circumstances. But um, again... I fought the doctors and the nurses, and we got them to, to raise the head of his bed. Now, we were told my dad had hours to live. They said, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's nothing else we can do with him. He's got, he's got multiple organ failure. There's, there's a clue there for you. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's two hours, and, and it's, you know there's nothing we can do. And I said, look, you're going to tilt his bed. And they kept putting the bed back down, and I kept putting the bed back up. In the end, I wrote on a big piece of cardboard at the back of his bed, leave the bleep, bleep, bleep bed alone, yeah? And uh, they left the bed alone. Do you know, within a couple of days, all his legs, the fluid in his legs had completely gone, and he was walking around the wards telling his jokes and reading poems to the nurses and patients, and he came home and he enjoyed another eight months of life. After a, after a prog prognosis of two hours, and all we did was t tilted that bed, and I saw that, and so did my wife, and so did my brother and his wife. So that so people that uh, I guess that have never heard of inclined bed therapy, and what um, can you explain exactly what that is? And yeah, yeah, for sure, it's it's so simple, uh, and that, and again, that's the problem. People think it's too simple. It can't have any merit. Wow, what a mistake that is. Um, all we're doing is we're, we're raising, we're keeping the bed level, so it's a level playing field, it's a level bed, and we're elevating the head end to a five-degree angle or thereabouts. You don't have to be specific. So that's that's sort of around the magic number. And uh, to do this, usually uh, 15 centimetres stroke six-inch blocks at the head end, maybe add an inch or so. And, and the cheaper you can do it, the happier I'll feel. So blocks, bricks, books, you know, any, anything that you can find. And if you go on eBay, you can find furniture risers, which are £10 for a box of four, which means you can put two under your bed at home and you can pop one inside the other and put them in your suitcase for when you go on holidays, which is quite nice. And for a tenner, for £10, you know, including postage, yeah, it's a bargain of a lifetime. But I've seen absolutely incredible stuff. I've seen people regain their eyesight. You know, it's yes, yes. T uh, two ladies with multiple sclerosis with supposedly irreversible optic nerve damage tilted the beds. And this was in the early days back in, in 1995, I think, 90, possibly 96. Oh, my gosh. Like and, the year um, I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Well, that's made me feel great. That has. So the nerve, the nerve, the optic nerve repaired itself. Now, that's remyelinated. Now, m multiple sclerosis is demyelination. The only thing that that can work is remyelination, and we actually saw that happen. And one lady can, can actually, well, she, she completed an open university de degree on, a, on a, a, a computer at home, and she couldn't even make out the outside of the screen before she tilted the bed. So she completed a degree, and she can legally drive a car on the road without glasses. Whether that's still true because all these years have passed, but that 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 was the change for that lady. Wow! Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. You mentioned a couple of other stories as well before we started. Did you want to share those as well because they were quite extraordinary? Oh yes, yeah. It's not just one lady; it's quite a few now that uh, have joined the club, if you like. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what happened on a radio program, which is ironic. 
I was doing a doing a talk, and uh, this lady was listening in, and she was if I think she was forty two, and she'd been given IVF treatment. She'd spent a fortune on it. I couldn't conceive. But during that conversation on that radio station, I talked about my niece uh, conceiving on an inclined bed, and another lady in in America who happened to be she was a hooker on the streets, and well into her forties. Not a chance of getting pregnant. She ended up having a son. Yeah. Yeah, so I told the story on the radio show, and she thought, oh, just keep this to myself, and we'll do it, and see what happens. She had twins. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. That is pretty crazy, isn't it? It's um, it's, It sort of brings me to our personal experience with it as well, because I think I found your work a few years back now. Um, it must have been a podcast I heard you on, and for me, it wasn't much to have to think about it as you said it was such it's such a cheap if not free easy way to have such an effective sort of uh, automatically it's just people to experiment for themselves so they didn't even believe it they can just try it for themselves so i was in a space of just really wanting to optimize my sleep and every area of my health and so this was one area that came out as very um unusual and wasn't very common and i i personally started with uh some pvc pipe and just i got it down and I cut it off and just ma- measured the angle and put it on the my legs of my bed and it was enough just to raise it really well. And so I did it. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was such an easy way to, I'm like, this is ridiculous how easy and cheap this is. And once I got it on there, I, um, I sort of just noticed the benefits as well. And my sleep has always been okay. I didn't think it was bad or needed improving. And so I just wanted to optimize it even more. And so I did notice, um, it was gradually, um, increasing like sort of the quality of my sleep as well. My dreams will get more vivid. And then I noticed I'd track uh, my sleep on an aura ring, um, which allowed to sort of track objectively my REM and deep sleep and see that. And so I could see the data, which was great as well. Um, and I was very noticeable. And so then when I started, I'd been doing it for a couple of years now. And so then when I moved in with India, I convinced her to... Yeah, I, I already her knew about it. So she knew it was about something it. that I was thinking of but doing, but had it done. And then Dame was, you know, the push I needed. I convinced to her do. to sleep inclined, which is great. So I knew she was the one. And so then I got her bed inclined as well. And we started sleeping inclined. Um, some things, some sort of barriers or obstacles that came along the way was us sliding down the bed sometimes if we have it on a, which would be, I guess some people may experience that. And so we did, it did have- look like a big slide. But yeah, it's a big slide. <laughs> so that was- How you, st- you stop that actually for your, for your listeners is you wrap a blanket or a duvet around the mattress and then you place your bottom sheet over the top and that extra wadding uh, provides that extra bit of friction and you, you just, it just eliminates the the, the slipping such a cool idea thank you there you go that's yeah. a little, that's a little uh, tip right there we can add to it because mm-hmm. yeah we've so since that space of our uh, pvc pipe place which we've i guess all my friends at the time thought i was crazy and i'm like no this is this very simple and very easy um as you said it seems so simple that why would you like even try that people want to go for the crazy cool gadgets out there that really think can enhance it where this mm-hmm. is such a simple method and it made a lot of sense to me as well and i think in, you even explained the uh, what i heard about you say about the egyptians how they actually found they were on a incline would you could share about that yes um i asked the curator at the boston museum to to go and measure one of the beds that they had and uh, she found that it was exactly six inches higher at the head end which is <clears throat> quite nice but you start thinking how did they know what were they doing? And in fact, there's a papyrus that, that dates back to, I think it's 5,000 years. They were doing spinal cord injury surgery. They were doing brain surgery. And they were, I should imagine they were getting survival, survival rates. Some of the things I've read is it says that they placed two, two uh, blocks either side of the patient. Now, is that two blocks either side of the patient's head? Or is it two blocks under the legs of the bed of the patient? So we'll never know. We'll we'll never know. But but it it it, it does stand out. And and even there's 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 mud um, mud beds for the slave quarters in ancient Egypt, and they're all sloping too. So why was it so important? And I suspect because they were working so hard building the pyramids, they needed that rapid recovery time. And, of course, the, the, the ancient Egyptians thought, well, this is help, helping us. Let's, let's see if it helps the workforce to improve their output. And I, I would imagine that that's, that's what went on. But if you come back to the Tudor period, 
like now we have pandemics uh, in the Tudor period. We had pandemics and um, epidemics. And uh, what they found was that they made the bed shorter. So the, the sleeper had to sleep sitting up. They knew that if they lay down, they'd be, they would be dead by morning. And funnily enough, when I was in hospital, I knew that too. So not so far back, the Tudor period, sloping beds, back to the TB outbreak in the uh, early 1900s, um, that there's um, schools where you can see on the roof of the school, the whole class beds are tilted and they've all got young, young kids on and it's just called a sanitarium. And they were all there uh, um, resting on these sloping beds. Every single one of them is angled. And you think, well, why, why can't I read anything about this? All you see is the picture, but the picture just paints a thousand words. Exactly. And, and I remember you saying too in that podcast about how like there is essentially there's no money in this, which yeah. unfortunately the world in the state right now is driven by a lot of money and power. And so having such a simple device as you um, share with your work as well, it can be incredibly inexpensive, if not free, to have this. And so why would you, there's no way you can really paint in it or even like go into that space. So um, that was something that we found. I was, I was quite sort of um, interested by it as well. And so it's even funny too, when, when we do go traveling as well and we go stay in an Airbnb, if we're on a flat bed, it almost feels like we're on the opposite, like our heads are tilted downward because we're so used to sleeping in Klein. Yes, I have the T-shirt on that one. Yes, I can relate to that. Yeah, really strange, strange feeling, especially if you lie flat on the floor. feels like your head's going down through the floorboards. Mm-hmm. Really bizarre. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, do you, with inclined bed therapy, um, are you meant to change, like from flat to um, the five-degree angle or just stay because we've got different levels, I guess. To, um, you can exp- you can experiment. Yeah. There's no hard and fast rules, but I would stick around five degrees. My bed's permanently fixed at five degrees, possibly even five and a half degrees. Um, and I'd, I sh- I've done a video on again on on my website showing how to modify a standard bed. But one thing we haven't touched on is if you take gravity away, because we're talking about gravity here. So if you take gravity away, like NASA's astronauts, they actually age 10 times faster than we do here on Earth. So that should, hello, the alarm bell should be ringing, yes. And um, even more so, NASA and several other companies have been conducting trials, confining patients to bed and confining patients to head down bed rest and flat bed rest. And they've managed to reproduce the 10% Faster aging in a in a tilted down head down bed. Oh no, poor subjects. <laughs> but they pay they pay yeah. seventeen thousand dollars for each patient to do this. Wow. So if you want to earn yourself a few bucks and ruin your life, yeah. No, we'll stick with ours. We actually um we thought it was so beneficial we had we um got this carpenter locally in melbourne to build us an incline bed that has like a um it sort of has blocks that um stack underneath like it um works by um he engineered it quite yeah yeah, we he we got him he's very uh, he's very intelligent and has a very uh creative mind so he actually engineered it so we wanted to be also metal free because of our understanding health about we didn't want a like a timber bed frame with no metal in there because we know metal axes and an antenna for emfs which we had a podcast of them yeah so you want an untreated sort of timber bed and so he created this bed for us very minimal and we wanted to have it adjustable so we can go from two to four to five six inches we had three different blocks so we can just adjust as we feel we feel drawn to and experiment even with added as well. a little board on the end to stop the mattress slipping <laughs> from his normal design so something for your listeners to think about here so we all know that the heart pumps blood right so before the heart develops in embryos what's driving the circulation what is driving the circulation circulation begins long before the heart forms And in fact, if you look at embryology, it forms in a primitive streak, which resembles my experiment, which I did at Brixham, causing water to flow up a cliff. So you have a downflow and a return flow. 
in this embryo and this sort of twists into a knot and that forms the heart. But before that knot forms, there's a pulsatile flow inside that embryo. So if you can imagine a chicken's egg disconnected from the chicken, that chicken needs to rotate that egg. Yeah. Now that is using gravity. Every time that egg is rotated, the albumin, uh, the food which is in the middle of the egg flows down through the albumin and then it's rotated again so it flows back the opposite direction. So it's actually creating its own circulation by rotating the eggs. Now, in um, sort of a turtle's egg, it, it doesn't rotate, so it forms on one side. So that's why it has a shell on one side and legs on the other side because it hasn't been rotated. I mean, that's conjecture, I know. But just just thinking, just thinking sort of sideways, that could be why the difference is there is the reptiles slow metabolism, right? Haven't been kickstarted by gravity, lay dormant in a scratching the ground, yeah, next to water, which regulates the temperature. But that's a story for another time. That's what what killed the dinosaurs. Nothing to do with the meteorite, yeah. Yeah, nothing to do with a meteorite. Nothing at all. Not a volcano. The dinosaurs created their own cli uh, climate change, caused a two-degree rise in uh, global temperatures. And if you create a two-degree rise in egg temperatures in reptiles, uh, alligators, crocodiles, and other reptiles, it turns them all into males. So all of those reptiles that laid their eggs away from water where there was no temperature regulation perished. All the, all the, the reptiles that survived which laid their eggs near water, the crocodiles, the alligators, the turtles, survived. That's so interesting. That's really interesting, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that one in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. A little very, interesting piece of history. Exactly. It's something that people might not even just consider. It's very, mm -hmm. very like a... It's, yeah, it's really appreciate you sharing that as well. And so I, I guess with um, as well, if people are uh, sort of keen or interested to try sort of incline bed therapy, do you have like, what are your experiences you've come across uh, with the benefits of it? There's so many. Right? Oh, too, too numerous. It all start, started off with varicose veins. Now, we're all um, told to raise, if you've got edema or you've got varicose veins, raise your legs. Well, all that does is provides temporary relief. Great for the surgeons because they've got lots of repeat business because it doesn't actually cure anything. But my wife had got a varicose vein. hope she's not listening. And uh, it had been there for 16 years after the birth of our eldest son, who lives in Melbourne, by the way. And um, that, that vein was bulging and aching when she was walking up hills with shopping bags. And um, after four weeks of tilting the bed, she stopped complaining because we'd always have to stop walking up these hills and have a rest and go on a little bit further. And I, I walked behind my wife and I could see the, the aggravation in the vein. All of a sudden, it wasn't there. So anyway, I'm down at the, the local bookshop uh, talking to a guy, brilliant guy called Leon Corral. And um, this nurse jumps in the conversation. She said, this is really fascinating. She said, I'm going to try this at home. So she went home, and four weeks later, her varicose veins had gone flat. My wife's varicose veins had gone that flat that a doctor came to our home through, for another reason, she likes the same dogs as us. And um, she said that to my wife and to me, to my, myself. She said, that's never been a varicose vein. That's never been a varicose vein. I said, look, I have no reason to lie. There's no money in this for me anywhere. So why would I lie? Why would I lie? She said, that cannot be a varicose vein. was. It's never come back since. Wow. That's good news yeah. for everyone that does have them. Or but also, also, we have skin conditions as well. All scar tissue seems to vanish. You know, I had a lady down the road with a grisly scar on her chin. Disappeared completely. Just just disappeared. So I'm just thinking, oh, my God, this is getting, it's just getting out of hand. Um I have a friend who's got psoriasis, and um, the, again, the videos online shows all the before and after photographs. I could not believe the changes in this lady. She did look, she did look in, in tremendous uh, irritation through through psoriasis. Uh, legs are raw, um, scratching and bleeding. Uh, arms raw, scratching and bleeding. 
and then a few months down the line, she's got virtually no psoriasis. And by the end of a few months longer, she, there's no evidence of psoriasis. But here's the crux. She went and put her bed flat again. Then now she has psoriasis again. I just can't. I cannot believe it. Liking what you've heard so far? Make sure you don't miss an episode by clicking subscribe. We really appreciate all your support. Now let's get back to the show. And is in saying that, is there is there any reason why you would um, want to go flat again? Because I've heard some things as well, like about the spine. I think a, a lot of the problems with the spine is down to memory foam mattress, the scourge on humanity. Yeah. We, we, now, this is interesting because my wife and I, because it looked to me as an engineer, memory foam mattress, what a wonderful marriage with an inclined bed. It's, it's just got to be a winner because you, you sink into this big well, so you can't move. Great stuff. So after a while, my wife started to complain about lower back, and I thought, well, I haven't been complaining, but my back's hurting as well. And I thought, it's got to be the bed. So I took the mattress out. We had a new mattress. We spent spent a few, well, sec, it was a second-hand mattress, but one that had been barely used. It was um, a, ga- a guest room bed, but it was a really expensive Well, We couldn't afford it at the time. But um, And as we're using a cover anyway, we use a duck-down topper, so it didn't really matter too much. It was immaculate. Um, and it was just heavenly. It was It was just perfect, and our back problems disappeared. But in the meantime, I'd given my memory foam mattress to my son and his partner, who lived close to me, my other, this is my other son. And uh, they told us, they said, we can't sleep on our bed. It's caused us to both have backache. So, and they got rid of the mattress. They actually took, their put, took it and put it in the skip. So, and again, you can't get a better confirmation than that from four, four people, you know, that, that and and because it's his partner, she's not related to us, yeah. So there's there's a disconnect there, and um, yeah. So I reckon that a lot of the problems that people sort of attribute, if they you know think it's the inclined bed, they should start looking at what kind of mattress they're sleeping on. But, and you, the other thing is, it cooks you. You get, you get so hot and sweaty, yeah. And you say, oh my. I used to enjoy going to bed. Why, why have I stopped enjoying going to bed? And it's memory foam mattress. Yeah. Yeah, especially for guys <laughs> that run hot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't think I don't think there's a problem with having the bed inclined. By all means, put your bed down flat. In fact, when I did my first studies and trials, and uh, and a report was made independently by a charity, a multiple sclerosis charity, we asked the the people in the tri- trial to put the bed flat to see what would happen, see whether they deteriorated, and they all refused to put the bed flat. Ah, that's so good. Yeah, this is, this is the benefit too much. They don't want to go backwards. It's the same with us now. I don't think we ever want to go flat again, and we might even find ways to bring, as you say, bring blocks with us when we go traveling because it just feels so foreign to lie flat now. It's almost like we're lying backwards or downwards, which is, yeah, it's a very bizarre feeling for us now. Yeah, yeah, it is. And also fingernails and toenails and Hair changes, changes in colours, changes in strength. It just affects the whole body, mm. every single cell in the body. Yeah, yeah. yeah it really seems to up, upregulate your healing. And yeah. I think that's um, a lot of that's been attributed to your um, helping with the glymphatic um, and lymphatic. Yeah. Yes. drainage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the brain drain. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, it just moves the fluids around those um, detoxing systems better, correct? Again, look at the drawings of the lymphatic system and if put it on a flat a flat desk, see if it makes sense. Then put it on a sloping desk and then it makes sense. It all, it all makes sense. The lymphatic system, the cerebrospinal fluid circulation. Now, I've helped people with spinal cord injuries. We've had some fantastic results. Um, we had a guy get out of his wheelchair and walked on Carlton Television News between two two parallel bars and uh, you could actually see his ankles moving i think it was 11 years that that guy hadn't been able to move those legs i had my and, and this is this is another this is another sort of inter- interjection we had judy's sister come down to stay with us and of course she ended up on the sloping bed for a few days three days i think he was and um she'd had a 
bad fracture in the ankle many years ago through tripping over a dog, a dog that suddenly decided to bolt in the wrong direction. And uh, she broke, she did a badly break, broken uh, bones and she had metal plates put in. She lost the sensation and the ability to move the foot. And uh, she'd been at our house on a sloping bed for three days. I videoed her. She's rotating her ankle and twiddling her toes. She got the feeling back and she's, yeah. Um, my mother, she she was one of the first people to try this. Um, she had, I, all, I, all, all I was trying to do was help my mother with the varicose veins because at that point in time, which was in the early 90s, I was looking at women's legs for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> And uh, I took a real interest in varicose veins um, because that made sense to me because if you increase the downflow in the arteries, you raise the pressure in the arteries slightly, but you also decrease the pressure in the veins more. So you're actually creating the force to pull the veins back in and to draw the edema back into the circulatory system. So you've altered the whole, ga- the whole you've done a whole game change. And anyway, I tilted my mom's bed and yeah, she, four weeks later, she was on the phone. Can you tell me all about this bed? I said, Mom, I've spent ages telling you about the bed. You don't listen. She said, well, run it by me one more time. I said, ah, you've got to tell me your veins are improved. She said, oh, yeah. She said, the veins have improved. She said, but I'm standing here twiddling my toes and moving my ankle on my left leg. I said, well, what do you want a round of applause? She said, I haven't done that for 11 years. And then a few weeks later, the sensation come back in the knee as well and the lower leg. So it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I might have to get my grandma onto it because she suffers from those sorts of things, like from having falls or varicose veins. And, you know, it seems like such a, it seems like something that people, as you get older, you just accept and that you have to live with. And The elderly, when they get out of bed, a lot of the accidents are caused through a change in pressure because they're getting from a flat, flat position to a standing position, which is orthostatic hypertension. And that can actually send your career in across the room. And that causes a lot of people a lot of broken hips and broken knees and and deaths. You know, people have been found on the floor, elderly people, and nobody knows that they've gone. But you get off a slope in bed, it's not the same. It's not the same. You don't feel that, like that malaise, that, that jet lag feeling is gone. You're with it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a it's a cure-all. You know, there's going to be exceptions to the rule. Always is. You know, I, I don't know what's going on in people's body. So, yeah, they could have a they could have a blockage in a vein. I wouldn't know anything about. They could have a, 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 what they call it a thrombosis. And that's interesting as well because my wife, my wife's mum, she's passed away now a long time ago. Um, she had a... Um, a th- thromboembolism in a leg, which was like the size of a half a tennis ball. Yeah. And uh, she called us the one day complaining she couldn't find it. It had vanished. So everybody's worried about this blood clot that's probably flown to her brain and flown to her lungs, but did nothing. She, she had great life after that, many, many years after that. Yeah. And um, she ended up dying of cancer, but uh, I love that lady as well. She was really nice. Mm. And I think think that's what you were saying about, you know, because they're already on an incline, it's easier to get out of bed. And that's sort of part of it, isn't it, that we spend the majority of our time in an upright position, or most of us. Um, And then it's so different for our bodies to adjust as well, lying completely flat. Yes, we've all done it. We've been ill. We've spent a couple of days in bed and you get out of bed and you're tiptoeing around and it's like somebody's belting you on the head with a saucepan. Yeah, yeah. you feel like you've drank a bottle of of whiskey or something. Mm, But it doesn't, it's just the pressures, the change in pressures. Yeah, Yeah. so interesting to understand it from that perspective. And um, so could you tell me, is there any more benefits that we didn't touch on? Oh, too many to mention. <laughs> Parkinson's disease. I met this guy in, uh, over in Torquay and I had a conversation, with, well, sort of conversation with his wife, really. Uh, he was a plumber, so he understood everything I was talking about. But his attention span was about one minute at best, and then he'd go off as a zombie. 
Um, could, couldn't get a word out of him. His, his, his body was massive again, massive swelling on his body, uh, massive legs. And life for this couple was a struggle, real struggle. Uh, he had a stair lift. And um, I uh, got them to tilt the bed. And uh, the, the, the results were incredible. The first thing I, I, I had a call saying that I turned over to see my husband in bed and that Parkinson's mask of pain had gone. She said it, it just looked like I got my husband back. She said, so I woke him up and she said I had the first conversation in many years. She said it was fantastic. And then she, the next call I had from the lady was frantic. She said, it's nonstop urination. There's, uh, you know, she said the fluid is just dropping off him. His clothes have just dropped off him and, and all the edema is just vanishing. But she said, I can't stop him peeing himself. It's just, you know, it's, so you would expect him to have had bladder washes and stuff, uh, bladder bags to catch the urine in. And, but she wasn't prepared for any of that. Uh, but all that's abated. And this was about five weeks. Yeah, I think it was about week five. Or week four, possibly. That he'd gone out for a walk. And he'd actually walked without the Parkinson's shuffle. And he'd gone down to see... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone down to see his uh, grandkids playing on the school, school fields. And uh, walked back. And all the neighbours were there with their mouths wide open. Like, what's going on, you know? And, um, yeah. And... Uh, a week later, if that wasn't enough, he'd been messing around with his car, trying to get his car going, because he hadn't used his car for a long time. He took it for a drive around the around the, the local area. He actually drove his car. Wow! After being yeah using a chairlift, so that's insane. Wow! And that's the thing; it's such a um, non-invasive such a inexpensive economical thing i think it's it's not necessarily like you said um a guaranteed it, nothing's a cure but it's just going to upregulate that healing and increase um your detoxing pathways like for those that don't know your glymphatic system it ba it's basically like a car wash for your brain when the cerebral fluid washes over it at night so if you can increase that and you've got you know problems. Of course, you're only going to be doing something positive. We we did a, we did an interesting experiment, my wife and I. We this was again back in the early days. We measured the density of our urine using a high, little hydrometer, the type you'd use in the in the uh, homebrew kits. But we got one that was extra long, so that it had a, a better degree of accuracy. And we measured the density of our urine lying head down on the bed, lying horizontal on the bed and lying head up on the bed. What we found was inclined bed therapy raised the density, the colour and the odour of the urine. Right, so the urine was darker, stronger. So it obviously, we'd obviously got rid of more solutes. And, and why wouldn't we? Because we've actually got the bladder in the right position now to collect all the waste, right? Which, which again makes perfect sense. But the, the horizontal bed rest... Uh, produced very much lower uh, levels of uh, urine density, lower odor, lower odor, and lower colour. Um, here's the crux of the one that, that this is the one that sold it for me. Head down bed rest, aside from giving us both diarrhea, which is great for weight loss, yeah, which means you've upset the whole system, which we did. Um, our urine density was almost exactly the same as water. No solutes, no toxins whatsoever were ending up in our bladder. So again, this is a challenge for the doctors and nurses to take on board. They can all do this. They've got better equipment than the simple hydrometer that we used. Where's the excuses? Why aren't they all over this like a rash? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's too simple. But I really encourage people to give it a go because you've got nothing to lose. And um, if you've got something to measure it, like an aura ring or, you know, just even writing down the differences in how you feel, I think it's really beneficial for everyone. We, we used to keep a, a log. And in fact, some of the early sheets that I asked people to fill in um, listed, list, it was a, like a checklist of all their ailments, all the likes. I said, have a good moan on paper. 
tell me how you feel now before you tilt the bed. I want to know every little gripe, moan, ache, pain, irritation. And uh, and then you, you've got a base mark for where you're heading. And you'll see because it's so months can pass and you don't realize the changes. They're so subtle. You don't realize until you put your bed flat again. And then you think, oh, yeah, I remember that pain. Oh, yeah, I remember that ache. Oh yeah, I remember that joint popping out. Yeah. That's right. You don't you don't um you don't remember what you've lost. You just notice when it's there, really. Yeah. One one more story I think is worth sharing with you. And this 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 is really amazing. There's a guy called Tony Moran, a boxer. Um and he won he won a World Boxing Association, I think it's WBA. Um might be wrong, but could be right. Um, and he was age 42 and he went 12 rounds with Sandy Robb who was a brutal boxer and in my opinion Tony Moran won every round now age 37 Tony Moran had hung up his gloves right he said I can't I can't box anymore my career's over and you watch his fights pre-1937 again out on YouTube and he hasn't got any punching power left in his arms now, the other thing we did, which was ingenious, even if I gave myself a pat on the back, um, was I said, Tony, because Tony's on an angle bed now, right, and, and has been ever since. I said, oh, what I want you to do is, in the corner, when you go to the corner, the corner men are going to tell you to have a sit down and uh, have a drink of water. I said, I don't want you to do that, Tony. What I want you to do is to stand in the corner Move your feet around, don't stand still, because standing still is bad. Standing still can cause you to faint. But keep shifting your weight from one foot to another. I said, I want you to shake your hands down by your side as if you're trying to shake water off them after having a wash. I said, when you come out from that round, you're going to knock seven, yeah, you're going to hurt your opponent, yeah. And uh, Tony's hands after the fight were all massively swollen and bruised, yeah. And he couldn't hardly open his hands up. But I tell you what, what an amazing fight that was. And it's just absolutely incredible. And he came, he actually came down here with a friend from Liverpool and came to my home to say thank you for all I'd done for him. Wow, what a what a guy. And he's a, he's a beautiful man. He really is. And, uh, and now if you roll that out, how about if you've got a football team to follow his example? What edge would that give you? Oh, this is this is this is an interesting thing as well. Uh, back again, in the early days, I was uh, <clears throat> running because I got ball terriers. I, I had well, one of my sons was on a skateboard, and I'd got him on a lead with the dog, and I ran in front of the dog up and down the the seafront uh, to try and tire the dog out. And I said, "The dog's knackered. Look at the dog." And Jude said to me, why aren't you knackered? Why aren't, why aren't you out of breath? And I thought, wow, she's absolutely right, you know. This is, this is I've, I've changed and I didn't even realise I'd, cha- I'd changed. So that was, that was another beautiful experience. Yeah. And there are many. There are many. There are more recent ones. We have a Facebook page called Incline Bed Therapy, a group as well. So we a lot of a lot of people come on the group and share what's happening to them. So if you want more up to date information, that then then Facebook is a good place to start. Yeah, and that was that led in perfectly. We're about to ask then wrapping everything up. I guess we could, there's so many like anecdotal experiences from so many different people, and so the best place to send people would that be the Facebook group, the Incline Bed Therapy. Yes, 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 it would. They'll find it fascinating, and the people there are really helpful as well. Yeah, it's well policed as well to stop people trying to sell products, yeah, which drives me nuts. Yeah. Us too, actually, yeah. We try. We like to endorse any like certain very particular products that we really believe in that we use, but otherwise it's, yeah, uh, that, it's, a, it's a world out. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. There's a world out there of just as the marketing and just a very um, sort of um, hung, money-hungry world at least. So these, yes. these things that we really – um, that we really actually use ourselves and we love it. And that fact that it is so inexpensive yet so um, 
effective at sort of helping people as well. So people can really try it for themselves and we hope people can get past their own biases and just actually just put a few blocks under your bed and just experience the benefits. For exactly. sure. For sure. But the interesting, the interesting thing here is as well is we don't get hot either. So I remember years ago before the sloping bed that our mattress would be stained with the tea from our bodies that we drank because we'd sweat that much, the tannin would come out of our skin. Never happened since. There you go. There's so many other benefits. It's, it's, you can keep going down all the benefits. Mm-hmm. And it's such great, so. like low-hanging fruit, which is why we wanted to bring it to people and share yeah. it with people because that's what we believe in. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. I know you've been through your own health challenges lately, so it means a lot to to come on and chat to us about this, to share this information out there, um, especially to Australians and the rest of the world out there. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. You're welcome. I'd like to share what briefly what happened to me because um, I feel to get it off my chest. Yeah, I had a heart attack in the 6th, 6th of December last year and um, I believe it was down to eating too much kefir, thinking I was doing the right thing and I gave myself lactic acidosis. Yeah, because I'm allergic to lactose, I'm lactose intolerant. Here I'm getting bucketfuls of this lactose down my neck. And I started to develop chest pains and angina pains and I hadn't put, put two and two together to think I was doing it to myself. So I went into into hospital and uh, they told me I'd had an heart attack. And uh, they said we're going to have to do a, um, a stent surgery and possibly triple heart bypass. I said, actually, thanks. I said, does that involve injecting gadolinium in, into my bloodstream, which will actually wreck my damaged kidneys? They said, well, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, so you've just made me an offer I can refuse, so thanks, but no thanks. And I walked out of that cardio cardio ward. And uh, after I bought all the nurses some mince pies and got some wonderful hugs from the nurses for standing up to the doctor, but... I thought I wrote a, an article called called I dodged a bullet, um, but I didn't realise they were using scatter shot. And uh, unfortunately, I was given a fistful of pills to take home with me, and told that if I didn't take these pills, that I'd, I'd end up dying. Yeah, so they use that a lot in hospitals. You're going to die. You're going to you'll end up dying. Or you're going to end up in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't take any notice of them. So um, I, t- I took these pills, being the obedient slave I was, and uh, I don't, took one lot in the hospital. And uh, I said, look, my, lung, my lungs are burning up. I, I, there's something wrong here. I'm, I'm, I'm on fire. My skin's on fire. My lungs are burning up. It's an allergic reaction. No, sir, you've had a heart attack. That's what to expect when you don't have the surgery. I thought, no, nah, I just can't buy into this no so i stopped all the medication and uh, much to the horror of everyone um and then i started the, the the doctor started on me telling me i've got to at least take this tablet got to at least take this tablet got to lower your blood pressure down got to do this and all the blood pressure pills they gave me in the, in the past have served only to raise my blood pressure they didn't lower my blood pressure and my blood pressure got as high as 236 over 135. That's It's a wonder it didn't blow the top of my head off, yeah, but it didn't. So anyway, after after a long battle, I, I got got off the drugs because I knew they were causing me more damage than doing me good. And uh, the doctors, I got a rash on my leg and the doctor saw me, my local GP. Um, actually, it was a, two doctors saw me. And they gave me two different courses of antibiotics. And uh, the antibiotics caused my legs to flare up. It was like somebody throwing battery acid all over my legs. Never seen anything like it. In agony. And, and my skin, God bless this, popping up all over my body. My eyes, my nose, my mouth, my lips. Um, horrendous trouble. So I started researching it frantically, thinking it's got to be the drugs. And lo and behold, there's a condition called Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which means allergic reaction to prescription medication. I thought, bingo. So the main component for that was heart, <coughs> sorry, was heart medications, 
which was the number one culprit, followed by white threat. Antibiotics that contain a, a component called sulfonamide, which was the ones that they'd, get, they'd given me, two different courses of telling me that I had cellulitis in the legs and that, that I needed these antibiotics immediately, even though I said it was an allergic reaction. So I took the antibiotics. I got worse times 10,000 and uh, nearly lost my life quite a few times. And um, I fought my way back, uh, four visits to hospital, uh, long stays in the COVID ward, um, yeah, which was worrying. Got tested for COVID four times. They said I hadn't got it, but I suspect that I was given COVID as well. Well, not, probably not given COVID, that's the wrong word, but I picked it up along the way because I lost my sense of smell, lost my sense of taste. Um, by now, the muscle mass had just completely gone off my body. And uh, I thought, this is game over, and you're not going to come back from this. But I thought, nah, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come back from this. So the, the doctor said, if you go home, you're going to die of multiple organ failure. I looked him in the eye and said, if I stay in here, I'll definitely die of multiple organ failure. So I went home, got on my sloping bed, still couldn't hack it because the angle wasn't acute enough. So I jacked the sofa up and uh, for nearly, I think, five, four or five months, slept on the sofa on pillars watching the TV. For the first few months, too scared to close my eyes and go to sleep. So I, I stayed awake and occasionally I'd just doze off and my wife had come in and see if I was okay, uh, but I couldn't go to bed. Even though my bed was sloping, it wasn't enough. Even sitting up on my sloping bed, it wasn't enough. The sofa did it, and that was a much greater angle. Now, the interesting thing here is there's a study, and I've got the link. It's called Tilted Hospital Beds Help to Cut Pneumonia by 60%. Hashtag coronavirus. Now, there's a, the Royal Berkshire Hospital, um, they, they won uh, the trust, won a top patient safety award by they tilted the, the beds of eight wards to a 30 degree head up angle, which presumably was just the head end raised and the legs flat. I don't know the exact formula, but they reduced all the patient hospital acquired pneumonia by 60%. Now, my question would be to the people involved in COVID now is why on earth would you have patients flat when the evidence is in front of you that lying flat is going to kill people off? You know, what are they, what are they doing? Crazy. So I wrote, I wrote to uh, 30 consultants at the Italian hospitals where they were losing every patient that went in there. They were losing the patients. Whether they acted upon my advice, I don't know, but they didn't lose patients anymore after that. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story because I know um, she's a really good example of what can happen um, when we go into the hospital system and also with medications. Um, not to say that people shouldn't take their medications, but that people should listen listen to their own bodies because, like you, you felt it in you that it wasn't it, that that's what was causing it, or that you didn't, you know, it wasn't um, the so what the one that you needed antibiotics for, that it was an allergic reaction. And so I think that's, you know, a big message for people to listen to your own bodies when you're in that situation because you know it best. And like I was saying, I have my own personal experience with that of feeling like, you know, or them telling me that I won't die. I'll die if I don't go to hospital and get antibiotics and treated. But I think when you listen to your own body and you stay true to that, you can fight it sometimes, you know, if you yeah, are in the position too. So, yeah, thank you. It made me very aggressive and uh, very determined mm, to stay alive. Exactly. And we're extremely grateful for you fighting as well and allowed us to, to share this today as well and then bring this to our audience. So, again, we are like so grateful that you um to be able to bring this information to people that you did um, fight this as well. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be here. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing it with others, which will help us bring you more episodes like this. And if you'd like to learn more about us or what's been mentioned, head over to liveholistically.com.au forward slash podcast for all the show notes, or find us on Instagram 
at liveholisticallyau. Until next week, be well and take care.